Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Well, hello, everybody, and how are you on this February the 22nd? Thursday is a Thursday, almost the end of the week. Friday's almost here. Yay! (laughs) I'm here with my co-host today, Mr. Brent Marchand. He is the Good Radio and Media movie correspondent, and today is our day to share the Oscar predictions. Woo! (laughs) So I am going to do something that I only have done once or twice, and I'm going to share my screen with you guys so that you can follow along with what Brent and I will be talking about. So, okay, Mr. Brent Marchand, here we are. We're on Facebook Live. We are, let me see. Okay. There we go. I can get on all of these channels at the same time. Look at me. I'm like a computer technical whiz at the moment. A all technology right. grand. Yeah. Look at all. The, look what we're able to accomplish. It's just crazy. Like I'm here and we're and we're doing all this stuff. All right. So we have. We're going to start off with the Oscar predictions today, and then we are moving over to some of the new movies that maybe you guys want to go see this weekend or in the next few weeks or. Maybe you go out in the middle of the week. I don't, but maybe you do. (laughs) Who knows, right? There you go. All right. I've got too much happening here. I thought I was a whiz. Maybe I'm not. (laughs) All right, Brent, we are going to move in to the movies and let's start with the best actor category. What's up? Who's up? Okay. So this year's best actor category uh, has got an interesting field, but I believe the winner is going to end up being Gary Oldman for his portrayal of Prime Minister Winston Churchill in the movie Darkest Hour. Mm-hmm. Um, Oldman has won virtually everything up to this point, and I don't see that changing on Oscar night. But then it doesn't really surprise me because this was such an incredibly strong performance that uh, you know I knew when I first saw the trailer for this movie back about eight months ago, even before seeing the movie, that he was going to be this year's Oscar winner for best actor because he's just so compelling. He does such a great job. Um, He's somebody who has been overlooked by the Academy many, many times. I believe he's only been nominated one time previously, which is really kind of a shame because he's given so many terrific performances over the, over the years in different kinds of roles. Uh, this year, I think he's finally going to get Hang his on, due. Brent, sorry, I'm going to stop you for one moment because somehow we're getting feedback from Facebook, and I'm not really sure why we're getting that. There. Let me see if I – no. Hang on. Sorry, everybody. You know, the technical glitches of the computer whiz. <laughs> Facebook, Facebook decided to put its volume on a little bit, and it's like a half a second second behind us. We're talking live to you right now. So my apologies for, for getting in the way of that wonderful soliloquy that you had going on there. Let's, let's, let's try that again. So Gary Oldman, he is the, the nominee is in your opinion for the darkest hour. And he is looking as, as the front runner for best actor. Yeah. He's won virtually everything up to this point, the golden globe, the critics choice award, uh, the, um, uh, the BAFTA award, which is the British equivalent of the Oscars, the screen actors guild award. I mean, he's he's got such a, a long resume of accomplishments coming into the Oscars that I just don't see that changing on Oscar night. But then, um, again, he's deserving of it. Uh, this is really a case of the right actor for the right role winning for the right award. Um, as far as his competitors, um, this is probably the field that, to me, has got the, the weakest group of nominees. Um, there were a lot of other people I would have rather seen nominated than actually did get nominated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but thankfully, he, he's in there, which is he's, he should be there. And like I say, I, I'm pretty confident he's going to end up coming up the winner. And it's, let, let's just talk about the, the field. There's, there, there's uh, Timothy Chalamet from Call Me By Your Name. 
Daniel Day-Lewis from Phantom Thread, Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out, so there, and Denzel Washington uh, for Roman I Israel, or Roman, yeah, J Israel, sorry. Um, good, good actors, all of them, you know, Daniel Day, some people said that, you know, this could have been his. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I kind of think, I kind of think they nominated Daniel Day-Lewis because this is supposedly his, his last on-screen performance. He's, he's supposed to be retiring from acting. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a good performance, but not as good as I think some of the ones he's done in the past. Um, also, the fact that uh, he's won three times already, including just a few years ago for Lincoln. So I don't think that um, I don't think there's enough oomph, you know, in his campaign at this point to be able to pull off the win. Uh, as far as Daniel Kaluuya, uh, I thought he was terrific. Um, <clears throat> yeah, really interesting role, interesting character. Uh, <clears throat> but I don't think that it's as strong as Oldman. Um, as far as Denzel, again, you've got somebody who's won multiple times. This is not his strongest performance. And uh, as far as uh, Timothy Chalamet, I was really—I think he's really overrated, to be honest. I, he's the one, one of the people who I would not have included uh, among the nominees. Um, <clears throat> but didn't Dan, in didn't, any didn't, case, sorry, didn't Denzel kind of lose out last year for that amazing role that he did? Yeah, he did. He yeah, he lost out for Fences last year. He yeah. really should have won for that. Um, so I don't know if this is some way of them kind of trying to maybe make up for it, but. Uh, the, the, one of the problems is that uh, Roman J. Israel Esquire is a film that very few people saw. Um, and I just don't know if um, how well the Academy is going to respond to that either, because uh, they, they do like to, you know, give awards to people who are really deserving, especially for roles that uh, in films that, you know, make a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I, yeah, I hate to say it, but, <laughs> uh, and I don't know how, how stellar a performance that film had at the box office. Cause I know here in, in Chicago where I live, I can't, it kind of came and went in a matter of about a yes. week and a half. So. Yes, it, it really did. It really did. Again, you are listening to Frankie says some more that the voice that you're hearing on the other end is Mr. Brent Marchand. He is our movie correspondent and critic, and we are playing we're going to the Oscars and we're predicting who's going to win. <laughs> we did, we've done it now for two years and we did pretty well. So the next on next story is next on our, on our screen is best actress. And you're saying that it's Frances McDormand for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yes. Once again, this is uh, someone who has uh, been on top of virtually every awards category uh, awards contest so far this year for, uh, for best actress. Uh, and she delivers such a powerful performance, uh, one that is uh, nuanced by so many different kinds of moods from from tender to, you know, flat out brash. Uh, and she manages to integrate them and make the switch from one mood to the next seamlessly. Um, she's an incredible actress. A, I love her. Yes, yeah, she really is. I mean, and, and she's somebody who, again, does not always get a lot of the recognition that she should. Uh, she had previously won an Oscar for her role in Fargo, um, but I believe this is, I think it's her first nomination since then. That was like 20 years ago. So uh, it's good to see her, you know, getting recognized again. It's good to see her um, uh, likely, as I say, coming up a winner because I don't, I don't see the uh, the field changing too much on Oscar night. Uh, even though in this category, she does have some rather formidable competition from other nominees. Well, you've um, got the field. So let's go. Sally Hawkins for The Shape of Water. Uh, Margot Robbie for I, Tanya, Cerise Ronan for Lady Bird. And Meryl Streep for The Post. Now, I don't think Meryl Streep, she didn't get for The Post. That wasn't her best role. I don't think No, I didn't, I didn't think so either. I, and, and to me, it was kind of a... It's kind of the obligatory Merrill nomination. Yeah, you know, they, yeah, <laughs> somebody yeah. once said they, they sort of reserve one for her every year, uh, whether she's deserving of it or not. Um, I mean, a good Meryl Streep performance is, is better than the best that most actresses can do, but this still, I didn't think, was really one of her better efforts. I agree. Um, um, but two of the people in the category who I thought were outstanding were Margot Robbie mm-hmm. and, Sally, and Sally Hawkins. Absolutely. Um, I mean, they were both very, very distinctive characters. They both, you know, really gave terrific performances. 
as their very distinctive characters. And, uh, you know, I, I would say if, if Francis McDormand were not in this field, it would be a much tighter race. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, uh, but she is, Francis McDormand has been on top in so many, um, you know, best 10 lists and, and awards competition winners that I just don't see anybody stopping her at this point. So. And you know what I love about Margot Robbie? Like she, you know, she's a stunningly beautiful woman, but she's not afraid to not look stunningly beautiful. You know, she's not allowed, she's not afraid to, to just kind of be the character. And I, I love that about her. Like really, really love that about her. Sally, Sally Hawkins, her character for me in, in the shape of water, still reminded me of Maudie. Like, you know, there was just something. Yeah. Maybe that's just her face. I don't know. You can't get away from it. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. But, you know, she's quirky, right? She plays quirky. Yes. She does quirky well. So, yeah. And, 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 over, and over the past year or so, um, she's, she's beginning to show more of a range, I think, than most people are aware that, than she had. Um, this is, I believe, her second nomination. She was nominated a few years ago for supporting performance in Woody Allen's Blue Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But as good as she was in that, uh, a lot of the performances that she's given since then have really been showing just how strong a performer she really is. And as you say, um, both Maudie and um, The Shape of Water really show that. Yeah, I, you know, if you're listening to us, type in here. Go, go to Facebook Live if you're on Facebook Live. You know, type in what is your favorite movie this year? I want to know what everybody's favorite movie was. I, I've got a few of my own for sure. But I, I like to know what, what people are thinking and who you want to nominate. Let's have a contest. Come on. Maybe we'll do something for you. I don't know. We'll do something. <laughs> and let's talk about the Best Supporting Actor. Okay, so the Best Supporting Actor, again, I've, I see the award going to somebody who has won virtually everything up to this point, and that's Sam Rockwell mm-hmm. for Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. Uh, this is someone who has given, again, many fine performances over the year, and this is his first nomination. Uh, there are other roles that he's done that he could have easily been nominated for and wasn't. So it's good to see him getting the recognition and the due that he's, he's deserving of. Um, he, um, shows a, uh, a, again, a range that I think most people were previously unaware of, uh, and he delivers it, you know, just, just perfectly. Now he too is in a field with a lot of other very, very talented performers. So the fact that he's emerging out of that really is saying a lot about the strength of his performance. Yeah. I mean, you've got um, Willem Dafoe in the Florida project. Woody Harrelson in Three Billboards, again. Uh, Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water. Christopher Plummer, All the Money in the World. And, of course, we just talked about Sam Rockwell. Um, the Florida Project, Willem Dafoe, that was very different for him. Yeah, it really was. And actually, it's, it's kind of interesting in the fact that before the award season began, he was considered the front runner to win this award in, in the supporting actor category. Uh, he did win uh, the National Board of Review Award for Best Supporting Actor, and, but that was the last thing that he won. In fact, it was the only thing that he won of, of any major importance. Um, Rockwell has claimed everything since then, and um, it's kind of got to probably be pretty dis- disheartening for Defoe because I think he, he thought he may have had this locked up. But, it was a great um, little performance from a strange little movie, but great performance by yeah. him. And that, I don't know who played Mooney, but she, did she, is she up for anything? Because she's um, amazing. No. No, she, uh, uh, Brooklyn Prince, I believe is her name. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. And she was, um, I, th- I think she was nominated for, um, in the Critics' Choice Award for the Best Rising Star or something like that, but she didn't win. Um, but yeah, he, he was, like I say, he was the, he was a front runner originally and he, he really has kind of fallen by the wayside. Yeah, he was so um, soft. I really loved him in it. Really, really fell in love with him. The, um, the, the, the one other performance in this category that I really, uh, was very, very high on was the role of Christopher Plummer in All the Money in the World. Mm. Uh, he had to, it had quite a challenge coming in at the last minute and having to refilm um, that character's scenes in, I believe it was nine days after they wow. decided to replace Kevin Spacey. Yeah. And after having seen the trailer for uh, featuring both Spacey and Plummer, my question was, why didn't they just use Plummer in the first place? I know, place? I agree. Because he just he just seemed um, made for the role of playing J. Paul Getty. And um, 
I'm not sure what the reasoning was for why they originally cast Kevin Spacey, but when they decided to put Christopher Plummer in it at the last minute, they made a very wise choice. And uh, that's, that's showing up in the nominations that he's received because he's received several up to this point. Um, and, uh, you know, very well deserved as well. Uh, if Rockwell were not in this, in this race, um, this might very well be a repeat performance for an award for, for Plummer, but I just don't think that, um, <clears throat> he has enough uh, momentum behind him at this point to be able to pull that off. So I just want to say hi to Ariane for joining us. And if you have a favorite movie, Ariane, like type it in there. I want to know what you're thinking. Uh, Brent Marchand, we're hearing the voice of Brent Marchand today. Uh, he is our good radio media correspondent for movies this is my favorite i mean best supporting actress it has to go to allison janney has allison to go janney. to allison <laughs> was it wasn't she something <laughs> oh my gosh yes um yeah I, I again this is another case of she's somebody who has won everything coming into the oscars and i don't see that changing on oscar night i should um, not. i really do she gives such an unbelievable performance in I, Tonya, as uh, Tonya Harding's beastly mother. Um, just, it was a role that was obviously written for her, and when she got the part, she just ran with it and made the most of it, and it's just I nearly died at the end of the movie when they showed Tonya's real mom, and how Allison was like the spitting image yeah. Of, of of the mother. Like I'm like, are you kidding me? This is too yeah. much. Oh my gosh. She was yep. brilliant. It's brilliant. it's as if she was channeling the character. Yeah. You know I mean it really was. She just had it down so well. So um this is really a case of the right performer winning the right award for the right role. Because uh she is so deserving of it. Again, she's somebody who she's never been nominated before. Believe it or not, I mean, given how many amazing movie roles that she's done over the years and she's never been picked before. So I think this is a case where I think they're going to make up for it. I hope Um, so. And um, let's look at the And again, you know, yeah, she had, she has some formidable competition here. She does. Well, she got Mary J. Blige in Mudbound. I didn't see Mudbound. What, how did you see, what was that like? No, actually, I didn't. I did not see Mudbound either okay. um, because it it didn't play in theaters, as far as I know, <laughs> and uh, it's been only available on Netflix. And unfortunately, my streaming oh, service, that's right? Yeah, yeah. That's unfortunately, my streaming service doesn't have the speed to, to be able to uh, to view it. So I I'm looking forward to seeing it at some that point. Movies don't make it to the theater that they and they're only on Netflix that they should be in that category. I don't know. It just doesn't seem right. Go well, public. I mean. Movie movie distribution channels are changing. So, you know, I mean, there was the people made the same argument when uh, with the Emmys when they started nominating programs that were on cable. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and these days, you know, the cable networks dominate the Emmy award nominations. So, you know, kind of where do you draw the line? Say, well, well what you were talking <laughs> about, you know, movies that make a lot of money, and if it didn't make a lot of money, yeah. then maybe it went. So, you know, it's Netflix, right? Kind of, kind of a yeah. different animal and a different beast. <laughs> But, uh, you know, people who don't want to go out and spend money. <laughs> you got Leslie Manville in Phantom Thread. I haven't heard of that movie. Uh, Phantom Thread, that's the one that Daniel Day-Lewis is in. Oh, right, it's, right, um, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's, um, I, it, was a very, it was another surprise nomination, and I was really glad to see that she did get nominated because uh, she is somebody, again, who has been overlooked a number of times for terrific roles. And her character in Phantom Thread, she just really does a great job. I wasn't crazy about the movie, but I really liked her performance. Uh, in many ways, she reminds me of kind of like a British equivalent of the character that uh, that B.B. Newworth used to play on yeah. Cheers, Willis. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very buttoned down, uptight you know, yeah, <laughs> perfunctory yeah. sort of uh, uh, sort of person. And she does it really well. So um, I, I don't think she's going to win, but her nomination is definitely was a good choice. And, um, you know, that I think essentially is going to be, you know, her award. Same thing with Mary J. Blige. I mean, um, again, be, I didn't great see to be nominated, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we got Lori Metcalf, uh, for Lady Bird. Lori, we've discussed before. We both love her. Well, and she was, um, like Willem Dafoe, she was the, she was the front runner coming into award season. Everybody thought for sure, you know, that she was going to take everything. And 
She did receive the National Board of Review Award at the beginning of the season. Has not won a thing since. Um, But then, you know, when Alice and Janney's movie premiered and everybody saw her role, I think they said, there's no way we can't give it to her. So. Absolutely. And, and of course, um, you know, last but not least is Octavia Spencer, one of my very favorites. Again, um, you know, that was for The Shape of Water. And I loved her. You know, I do love her. I don't know if The Shape of Water was really something that she, you know, best supporting actress. But, um, you know, I, I, I would have loved to give it to her for The Shack, you know, or. Yeah. Well, it was, it was, it was a very good performance. As you say, she, she's always good. good. And, um, but one of the things I think that's kind of working against her is she just won a few years ago Mm -hmm. and Oscar likes to kind of spread these things out a little bit. So having taken home the award for the help back about seven years ago, uh, I think they'll say she's got to wait a little longer before we honor her again. Well, that was um, and it's kind of a kind of a silly rule, <laughs> but that's you know that's kind of the way they do things. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to go on to uh, best director. And best yeah, and best director is going to go to Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, <laughs> the reason being he has won virtually everything coming into this. I don't see that changing. Um, the director field is interesting in the fact that it presents a mixture of veterans and newcomers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with you have veterans like um, Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk and uh, Paul Thomas Anderson for Phantom Thread and then Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. But then you also have newcomers like Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird and Jordan Peele for Get Out. So it's uh, kind of like, you know, the, 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 the new kids versus the old fogies in some ways in this category. But uh, regardless of um, whatever dynamics you have in, at play in the field itself, uh, I still think Guillermo del Toro is going to emerge at the top of this one because uh, he did such a great job in directing great. this movie. Yeah. And, it was you a know, great and, movie. I loved it. Uh, I, I think this is uh, really, you know, it's his turn to, to win and he's going to get the recognition he deserves. Well, here we go then. Da 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 da. Best picture. <laughs> well, I guess best picture. You got nine nominees, um, but I think that it's probably going to end up going to three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, it's it's been capturing a lot of the awards coming into this. Um, the only film I think that has a real realistic chance of challenging it is The Shape of Water it has picked up a few things along the way too but one of the reasons why i give the edge to uh three billboards is that it seems to have picked up more of the awards that are kind of like the the bellwether indicators mm-hmm. of what's going to end up being the best picture uh, most notably it won the the award for best cast at the screen actors guild awards and that almost always translates into the film that ends up winning the oscar for best picture uh, it's interesting to note that in that particular competition, The Shape of Water wasn't even nominated. So oh. I think, yeah, so I think it's interesting that um, that uh, the three billboards is uh, it's got, a, I think, a little more clout behind it. Uh, also, given the strength of uh, the performances that it's, that's been winning in the actress and supporting actor category, uh, when a movie wins really big awards like that, a lot of times it has kind of a moment, moment, momentum effect that carries over into the voting for best picture. And I think that'll happen here too, to a certain extent. Now let's talk about call me by your name because nothing, there's no actors or actresses or anything from it. And yet it's up for best picture. Uh, well, Timothy Chalamet is up for best actor. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I was, really at a loss to understand why that film got a lot of the buzz that it did. Um, if it had been made, say, maybe 30 years ago, it would have probably been considered a groundbreaking movie. Mm-hmm. But by today's standards, I came out of it saying a big fat, so what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, the notion of the, the gay romance film has been done so many times, not just in independent cinema, but even in, in big cinema, Yes. Uh, as you had last year with Moonlight, yeah. which won Best Picture, um, you know, the, there's really nothing here that, that to me, yeah. it didn't represent any particularly great new ground. Um, 
And also the fact that I thought it was rather talky, rather boring, rather predictable. Uh, I thought the performances were really overrated. So I, I don't really know why it was picking up a lot of the attention that it's, that it's received, including, you know, an award as important as Best Picture. I don't know why The Post did either. It was a boring movie. Yeah, I, The Post, I think... It has good um, people, but it was a boring movie. Yeah, I, th- I think it was partly based on the, the strength of the, the message that it was trying to send. Uh, and also, you know, I mean, anything that Spielberg, Streep, or Hanks does is almost yeah. always going to get a lot of attention. So um, it, it almost kind of carries itself into nominations by default, simply be- on the strength of who is working on the project. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you have it, folks. You have the field, you have the movies, you have the nominees. Now all we need is your vote. Let's see how well you do before the Oscars happen. And we can tally it up and we'll see how Brent does this year. He's he's done pretty well in years past, so. <laughs> we'll, we'll and I'll be, posting, I'll be posting a, a blog on my website very soon, uh, giving a full analysis uh, of my, uh, my, uh, my picks and uh, why I think they're going to win, who I felt should have been left out, who I thought should have been put in, and so on and so forth. So uh, watch for brentmarchant.com. You should be seeing that within the next couple of days. Okay, so we've gone through the Oscar movies, and now we are going to move over to the new movies. And so I'm going to share my screen with you guys one more time. And up first is Bombshell, starring it's about maybe about Hedy Lamar. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, Bombshell, the Hedy Lamar story, is a documentary that talks about the life of uh, a Hollywood legend who certainly um, had a career much, much more uh, diverse than anyone is probably aware of. Uh, in addition to being considered, you know, just about the most beautiful woman in the Hollywood back in the 30s and 40s. Uh, and a big movie screen star, she was also an inventor. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually uh, worked on developing a uh, communications technology that has since gone on to become the basis of uh, secure Wi-Fi and um, GPS and Bluetooth and a whole bunch of stuff. And unfortunately, she never received recognition for it. She got a patent for it, but the technology was never developed. And uh, it wasn't until many years later that some pioneers began developing it and using it, and she didn't receive any credit or any compensation for it, and she found out too late to be able to uh, sue these people for patent infringement, uh, which is unfortunate because it's estimated that the value of the work that she did would have translated into a figure of roughly $30 billion. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah, yeah, it really she's stunning. is. She's she's you know <laughs> smart. She's I, I feel very close to her because she's Austrian and I'm Austrian, so you know I feel like yay, go girl, go girl. Um, I love that that you know she wasn't just a pretty face, and I think that's that's true for so many women. <laughs> you know? Well, and she was saying you know they actually have some audio clips from an interview that she did in the early '90s, about a decade or so before she died, where she said. You know, in those days in Hollywood, or or in those days in general, yeah, you could have beauty or brains, but you couldn't have both. Yeah, yeah. And no, everybody sure. was so fixated on her looks that, you know, she ended up uh, having to draw upon that in order to, you know, maintain a livelihood and so forth. Um, at the time when she developed this technology during World War II, and she did it because. Well, they didn't use it in the war, and that was the thing that really bothered her. She wanted to be – she um, she developed it because she found that a number of refugees were on boats leaving Europe that were getting sunk by the Germans, mm-hmm. and she wanted to do something about it. So that's why she developed this. Um, but then when she wanted to provide further input to see it developed into a bona fide technology, they said, no, we'd rather have you go sell war bonds for us because we think you can do more for us there than – you know, being an inventor. Wow. So, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So this is a very compelling documentary giving a very detailed um, description of her life 
and all the different things that she did along the way. And you see that she is really much more than just a pretty face. Yeah. And, and it's really great. It's good timing too, because International Women's Day is coming up and, you know, women everywhere go and, and learn about Hedy Lamar, something that you didn't even know. Now, up next, a fantastic woman. It's uh, won some awards. Uh, well, Fantastic Woman is one of the Oscar nominees for uh, Best Foreign Language Film. It comes from Chile. And it's a very different take on the other woman genre. Uh, I don't want to give away too much about this movie because I think that'll, you know, it'll, it'll be a spoiler and I don't make a practice of doing that. But basically it tells the story of a, <coughs> excuse me, a, a businessman who lives in Santiago who's involved with this younger woman uh, who is a, an aspiring vocalist and uh, they have a blossoming romance going together and uh, they plan a romantic getaway and everything seems to be wonderful. But then overnight, one night he unexpectedly falls ill and ends up dying. Oh. And she's left to kind of pick up the pieces in the wake of his passing. And one of the things that is required for her in those circumstances is to deal with his family and you find out that, that they're not too keen on her because she is the other woman. She's right. seen as the one who's responsible for breaking up the family. But it goes beyond that. She has she possesses traits and qualities that the family finds objectionable and offensive. And it ends up putting um, uh, Marina, the, the, uh, the woman, into a position where she suddenly is having to face questions related to her personal dignity, her self-confidence, her own identity, uh, because, um, you know, it's, it's really kind of thrown her for a loop with the way she's being treated. On top of that, the family also says, we don't want you to participate in any of the memorials for her dead lover. You can't come to the funeral. You can't come to the memorial service. So she's being denied the opportunity to say a proper goodbye. People are so mean yeah. and cruel, boy. But one yeah, thing I do really want to say is, you know, um, foreign film, don't, don't, like, honestly, please don't negate it. Don't, don't say, oh, I don't want to read a subtitle. I promise you that when a movie is this good, that when you start watching it, the subtitles kind of go away. You don't really notice yeah. that you're reading it because you read the, the emotion. You can read humanity. You know, you read that and, and you get a feel for it and you just get so engrossed. And I love foreign film. There's so many great foreign films that people will never get to see because you think, oh, I don't speak the language. It doesn't matter does not matter the chinese the japanese the the you know like they've got amazing films the french the italians got beautiful little films and this one's from chile like honestly please 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 watch a few of them especially those that you know brent has mentioned because i think that and there's one coming up i cannot wait to see from lebanon and i'm just so excited about it so yeah definitely well, well, it's don't hurt it's yourself interesting with <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting with Chile. They're, they're developing an, a very uh, robust film industry these days, and there's been a lot of really good stuff coming out of Chile in, in recent years, uh, including um, one of the directors um, who has since gone on to do some mainstream American films like um, the movie Jackie that came mm -hmm. out last year. Uh, so they've got a lot of talent down there. It's nice to see it getting recognized and, um, and hopefully you know, more appreciated. Yeah, I, I hope so. I, I've always really loved foreign movies, and um, you know, I, I, I'm a Bollywood fan. Yeah, I can't help it. And I, but I've always really liked Peter Weir from Australia. Uh, there's a lot of you know directors from around the world that that I kind of hold near and dear. So uh, I'm a big fan, and I hope to always encourage people to watch these movies because they're beautiful. You know, just because you don't speak the language doesn't mean it's not a good movie. So you are listening to Frankie Sense and More, the voice on the other end. He's, you can't see his pretty face, but it's Brent Marchand, and he is our movie correspondent critic, and he comes and joins us every month at the end of the month, usually. And today we did the Oscar predictions, and now we're talking about some of the new movies. And I bet you, I bet you, some of you have been to see Black Panther. Because if you haven't, uh, I can tell you that it was playing in every single theater last weekend, uh, bar none. So... It was a uh, real fun movie. I'm going to share my screen with you so you can see what the poster looked like. And uh, here we go. Great people in it. You know, some of my favorite people were in it. Um, uh, you know, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, you know, play roles in it. 
uh, yeah, it was fun. Well, people are probably not going to be too happy with what I have to say about this movie. <laughs> That's okay. Lupita, which I love. Um, Lupita. Yeah. yeah I, I thought it was a good movie, but I didn't think it was a great movie. I agree um, with you. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, and, and the thing that has been really a little disappointing to me is, has been seeing the way it's just been getting so hyped as being, you know, the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. Um, there were a lot of things about it I liked but there were a lot of things about it that I was a little disappointed about. Um, it, one of it being the fact that I found it a little bit on the predictable side. Yeah. Um, another thing being that um, they give you plenty of backstory about um, the superhero's homeland, but they don't really give you a whole lot of backstory about um, his alter ego superhero self. Yes. You know, it's just sort of there, you know, and you, you're kind of asked to take it on faith. Like, Oh yeah, well, he's he's the superhero, and and look at all the things he can do. But the question was, well, why did he decide to do this in the first place? You don't really get a lot of that. Um, and and the thing is, and, like, he's a Black Panther, and I don't know if it's a spoiler, but every, his predecessor was a Black Panther. Yeah, and and behind him. So is that special? Well, I mean, you know, you're getting the 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 inspirational source, but how did that translate specifically into being the particular superhero that he became? Yeah. You know, why did, why did he develop the particular traits or the particular powers or abilities and so forth that he did? That's left a little bit uh, underexplained, I felt. Um, and as far as uh, Chadwick Boseman in the lead, he's a wonderful actor and I've really liked a lot of the movies he's done in the past. I just felt he came across as a little bit bland in this mm -hmm. film. Um, uh, with a kind of um, earnestness that almost bordered on being a little unbelievable. <laughs> you know, uh, we, I guess maybe I'm becoming jaded because we've seen in recent years other superheroes who themselves have been a little bit jaded, you know, like Doctor Strange and, yes. and uh, you know, Deadpool and so forth. Yeah. Um, I but, did like his sister. Um, I like the sister. She was really, she was a nice um kind of refreshing in a way. She reminded me of, of um, oh, who does she remind you of? A singer. Uh, <laughs> um, oh my gosh. I don't know why it just went right out of my head. It'll come to me as we talk, I'm sure. Well, I thought, I thought actually the, the, the supporting characters, that's where a lot of the movie's strength was. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, you had a lot of really, really well-developed supporting characters. Um, and a lot of them gave really good performances. But, you know, they're supposed to be supporting. <laughs> you know, they're not supposed to be the ones who are attracting all of your attention. Uh, yeah. I also, I have to admit, I like the villain. I thought he was more interesting than, than the hero. Um, and yes. that's really something a superhero movie should not do. <laughs> yeah. Well, you kind of felt sorry um, for him in a way. You know, but um, I thought Michael B. Michael B. Jordan did a great job of playing a badass villain in this case. So. Um, the CIA guy was lost on me. Like, uh, where did he come from? Like, it was kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I kind of, <clears throat> yeah, I kind of, um, I almost it probably sounds a little uh, uh, strange on my part, but I, I almost felt that he was included to kind of maybe be the token to white the guy, white, the <laughs> to the white audience a little bit. I mean. <laughs> You know, <laughs> shit. Why not make him gay too? You know, like. yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I I had to kind of wonder about that. So <laughs> I hear you on that. No, I hear you. Yeah, he was a token white guy. That's right. Um, interesting. But you know what? Still a fun so, movie. Great for kids. You can take your kids to it. Uh, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, I don't think there's anything bad about it. <laughs> and and it was you know two hours of action and and so it was fun. If you like predictable, safe. It was a safe, predictable movie. I'll say that. Yeah. It was, it was, it was okay. It, it wasn't Wonder Woman. No, it was not. Yeah. But, you know, it, as far as role models for um, young, young black children or, you know, um, African-Americans, I, I noticed there was a lot in the audience and they were very happy. And I think, you know, pride in something and, and that's a good thing to have. So. Well, the one thing that the other thing that I felt is definitely one of its most redeeming qualities is it showed uh, the idea of um, how difficult it is for a good man to be king. 
mm-hmm. you know, in, in an age when so many politicians and um, leaders are corrupt or, or uh, you know, falling, who fall prey to personal weaknesses or other kinds of, um, you know, deficiencies. It's nice to see a film that really um, does embrace a certain degree of nobility as being important. My problem with that, again, is that the, the earnestness level of it was so high that it almost became a little bit implausible at times. But, you know, otherwise, uh, I thought it was, uh, you know, a decent picture and, you know, a, a decent way to spend a, That's right. a, a Saturday afternoon at the movies. And it, it, it's the kind of movie that if you, were, if you are going to see it, you really should see it on a big screen. That's right. You know, Absolutely. This, is, this, will, this will lose a lot when it goes to TV unless you've got a big screen TV. So. I agree. All right. Next movie. Moving on. A Quiet Woman with Cynthia Nixon. Oh, it's a, it's a quiet passion. Oh, I'm so sorry. A quiet passion. You're right. I was like, she's a quiet woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, uh, this film biography of Emily Dickinson she's, Dickinson, she's anything but quiet. She makes her opinion very plain for everybody to, to, to see. Um, this movie came out during the summer. It just recently came out on DVD. Uh, features Cynthia Nixon in the lead role, playing um, a bio- doing a biography of the famous American poet, and it's a really interesting film in the fact that it's very quiet and very meditative, but you also get to see the influences of what made Emily Dickinson be the person who she was, and how that translated into the poetry that she wrote. You get to see a number of sequences where you find the people who were important in her life, who she interacted with. Uh, you get to hear about the, uh, the social and philosophical movements of the time that she was very touched by and that ended up influencing her worldview and consequently her writings. Um, it's really a very interesting and um, thoughtful film pro- providing a lot of insight into the person and to the work that she produced. One of the things I also liked about it is the fact that there are a number of sequences that are introduced by voiceover readings of her poems. They serve as a sort of uh, epigraph leading you into the next sequence of the story as it plays out. Um, Cynthia Nixon does a terrific role, the terrific job playing the role of, of, of Dickinson. Um, she was actually considered uh, sort of on the periphery of among uh potential nominees for uh, awards consideration this year, but she didn't quite fall into the cut. Um, but it, this is also the kind of film that don't expect a lot to happen. <laughs> it's the kind of movie to watch on, you know, a, a rainy afternoon curled up underneath your blanket on the couch. Uh, the kind of movie that is probably better seen on TV than on the big screen because it's the kind of movie where you want to get Get up close, get some snacks. Get close. <laughs> well, but also you want to get close and intimate yeah. with the film itself. You know, yeah. you want to be close into the screen um, and not something that you necessarily want to see in, in a big theater. So um, really enjoyable. Um, nice performance in a supporting role by Keith Carradine as her father. Uh, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great film. Awesome. All right. Particularly if you, particularly if you like Dickinson poetry. I mean, yeah, a great showcase for it. Okay, our final film today, The Insult. And as I said, it's another foreign film from Lebanon, and it won a number of awards too. Looks fantastic. Yeah, and this is and this is a, it's an Oscar nominee for best foreign language film. Uh, it's a film that uh, it starts out telling of a a minor uh, incident between uh, a Lebanese Christian man and a um, a Palestinian contractor who's working on the building where he lives. And it just escalates into this really shrill political diatribe that's going on between the two of them that ends up involving not just them, but essentially everybody in their neighborhood, everybody in the city of Beirut, and eventually just about everybody throughout the entire country. Well, they go to they court. Nationals. Yeah. Well, they go to several courts over it yeah. actually. Um, and um, it's, it's a, a film that tries to get to the idea, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, 
you know, there's no monopoly on suffering. There's no monopoly on victimhood. Uh, everybody at some point can get hurt. But the question is, how are you going to resolve it? And are you going to take it personally? And are you going to let it come out? Uh, are you going to let the resolution come out through means and incidents that are completely unrelated to what the source of the hurt and the insult was to begin with? So it's a very thought-provoking film uh, in an age when, uh, you know, you've got such polarization, not just in Lebanon, but everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that it provides a really valuable lesson to say, how far do we really want to carry this? You know, when are we going to be willing to, you know, as they say in the movie, turn the page and move on? Uh, are we just going to keep holding on to our anger, holding on to our hurt? Uh, at some point, when are we going to let the insult go? And um, that's a very important message right now. And I think this film does a pretty good job of explaining that, even if it sometimes it seems as though it's going to be a bit extreme. But then again, you know, unless you're living in one of these places and are there to see, yes. you know, firsthand exactly what it is, it may not be as, as, as shrill or as exaggerated as some of us in the West might like to believe. Yeah, I, yeah. I tend to think that you're right on the money on that one, that, you know, when you grow up with this extremism, you know, and it, it pervades every thought it pervades like you know their personality and who they are and so uh they don't take away and, and actually when i had Saad um todd um on my on my show todd salada uh, he he was the right hand man to yasser arafat in the plo and he told me that that the reason that there's so much conflict is because it's not that you're taking a personal insult the insult would actually be for your entire nation. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, it's yeah. not just you, you're taking it for everybody. So it becomes enormous. Yeah. And that's something that comes out in this film as well. <clears throat> in fact, um, <clears throat> it, it, it takes on uh, even a, um, a regional um, magnitude to it as well, because when you, when you're dealing with the, the, um, the hatred that's often inflicted toward the Palestinians, uh, they're not restricted to just one country. They live all over multiple countries throughout the region. And many times <clears throat> when you see people who are um, protesting them, uh, you have a kind of a, a spillover effect, <clears throat> you know, cross border yeah. from not just Lebanon, but also Lebanon into Israel and into Jordan and, and the whole region. I mean, it just, it gets really out of hand very quickly. Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. And that's why for 2,000 years, they've been at, a, at war and fighting. Like, it's hard to change a mind. But hopefully, you know, movies that are thought-provoking can do that. And uh, you, you start to get a different perspective sometimes. And that opens the door to just, you know, a different way of thinking. And you're just inviting people to think a little bit differently. So that's good. Well, I think that's part of the reason why the Oscars nominated this particular film, because uh, even though it's won some awards like at uh, film festivals and so forth, um, this is the first nomination for this film in any of this year's major awards competitions that have uh, a foreign language film category. Uh, in fact, when I first um, saw the, the name come up in the nominations list, I said to myself, the insult, what's that? I've never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, and, so I was, and it made me kind of wonder, does that mean I'm ever going to get to see it? Because sometimes, you know, a lot of times these, um, these documentaries or, or, or foreign films that don't have big distributors behind them, they, they just don't even make it into the theaters to see them. So That's right. uh, fortunately, this one has, and it may be a little hard to find, but I think it's definitely worth people's time to go see it. Agreed. Okay, Brent, so uh, that wraps it up. We're out of movies right now, I think, unless you have a couple in your pocket. For the moment, well, there's some there's some more coming, so yeah, yeah, don't go away. We'll we'll be back with more movies next month for sure. I know that. Um, I'm waiting. There's there's a couple that I'm waiting for to come out, and I can't remember what they are at the moment, but I know I'm waiting for them. You know, you see the trailers well, is, and you and you go, oh yeah, I can't wait for that. Where is it? Where well, is there it? there is a new science fiction movie opening up this weekend called Annihilation. Okay. <clears throat> it was made by made by the same director who made Ex Machina, which was a terrific film. Um, there's also a, a political um, satirical film coming out called The Party, 
which opens this weekend. Uh, let's see, what else is there? Oh, there's a uh, another of the foreign language films that's nominated for Best Picture, uh, Loveless from Russia. That's opening next week. So you have a lot of things that oh, are coming down the pike. Oh, I know which one it was. Um, the, the one with um, Red Sparrow. Oh, yes, Red Sparrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm waiting for Red yep. Sparrow. I like to see And, that. of course, uh, Oprah's new movie. Yes, yeah, um, Oprah's new movie. Yeah, A Wrinkle on Time. So, yeah. um, And I'm, I'm looking forward to that because it was directed by uh, Ava DuVernay, who made the movie version Selma a few years ago, and that yeah. was such a terrific picture. So, so yeah, this, there's some really good stuff coming up over the next month. Yeah, I'm we hopefully don't have to. We don't have to wait for summer this year. <laughs> All right, so you know, write to me. You can write to me here on on Facebook Live at the Good Media Network or to the Good Radio Network. You can write to me there, and you can also write to Brent if you want uh, at brentmarchand.com. Is that is that where you're at now? That's that's the best place to reach me. Perfect. Okay, and let us know what your Oscar picks are. I want to know. I want to know what everybody's thinking. And if you've seen the movies or you haven't seen the movies, or if we just encouraged you to go watch one of those movies, tell us, you know, what do you think about this review and, and did it help you? You know, I, I like to go to Rotten Tomatoes uh, many times. I'll, I'll, I'll check out what, what Rotten Tomatoes has to say about a movie. And sometimes I'll agree and sometimes I won't for the most part. It pretty much will correlate. But I don't just take a movie critic's uh, view or the, uh, the public because sometimes I know that the public doesn't have the same uh, I, I guess you know feeling for movies that I have and maybe sometimes I watch a movie and it's just oh look at the photography or sometimes you watch it and it's just about the scenery and, and or the costuming or something about it just I fall in love with and it's not always just the acting and so so you know there's oftentimes there'll be critics that, that say oh it's a terrible movie and I'll go why would they say that it was such a great movie you know so and vice versa if it's too predictable or you know I can already predict the end by you know in the first minute I sit down it's I get really bored so I don't want to I, I want something that's well thought out I agree <laughs> yeah well, there you have it yeah. anyway we want to know how you felt about things so uh be in touch be in touch with us this has been frankie sense and more and we are out so <laughs> i'm so excited to come and see you guys next week anyway thanks thanks for for joining us today <laughs>